0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Draco's Den. It's time for episode number 12, and for this one I took a suggestion. A suggestion that I can already tell you I regret, but I said I would take suggestions for topics, and this is the one that came in, so here we go. Today's topic, I get to review a wrestling show. So if you're not familiar with wrestling, you're either going to learn something or tune out. I don't really care. But today I uh, was asked, directed to review the latest All Elite Wrestling pay per view as a revolution. And I am absolutely, positively not looking forward to reviewing this show at all. It's not really fun for me. Um. But apparently it will be fun to someone because they really wanted me to speak my opinion on this show. Now, just to be clear, I'm not going to shit over the entire store or show, I'm sorry. But I am gonna shit on most of it. So I mean, if one wants some laughs and isn't, you know, a diehard AEW fan, then you can keep on listening because we're going to have some fun with this. Y'all are going to have fun off my pain because I had to watch this shit. So here we go. Let's get into it. I'm going to go through this um, match by match in order in which I watched them, which should be the order that they were broadcast in because somebody kindly uploaded that stream for me. So I'm going to go in one by one. I'm going to give my unfiltered opinion on whatever the fuck happened. Some things I liked, some things I really, really fucking hate, and I'm going to be honest about all of it, and I don't give a shit who disagrees at this point. Because I had to sit and watch this. I had to waste three hours of my life. So first problem, this fucking show was three hours. Three hours. And I know somebody's going to say, well, WWE Raw is three hours and WrestleMania is like four or five hours, six hours. I don't even know how long it is anymore. Is it?" And all of those are too long. I've gotten a little used to only watching roughly an hour of wrestling a week now because there's so much wrestling that there's too much and most of it shit. So I watch the one show that I like that's roughly an hour long once a week. That ain't this show, okay? That's not this show. That ain't this company. This company is two-hour regular shows and three-hour pay-per-views. So here we go. We're going to go ahead and get into this. So the first match, or let's start with the opening. So there are some good points here. They do have pretty good production values. So their opening promos are actually uh, really good, professionally done probably a little bit better than what tna was doing but just barely you know back when tna was tna and they were actually um i'm not gonna say good but um people actually thought they stood a chance in hell of competing so very good it, um video package to open up the show i have a question that some people may not agree with here and i would really like someone somewhere to answer me this why the hell do we need the national anthem to be saying at the beginning of a wrestling pay-per-view every pay-per-view and every fucking company Or every company that thinks they're mainstream, at least. Why? I mean, hell, some of these companies aren't even that damn popular in the U.S. and they want to do the national anthem. like, okay, I know WWE does this at the beginning of every major pay-per-view. But I kind of feel like that's a thing that if you left off, no one would actually give a shit. Like, if you want to do it for the people that are there in the arena, fine. But I could do with y'all skipping the national anthem. Entirely. Please keep that shit. Because I'm. I just feel like I had to fast forward through it. And considering how I was watching this, it's very hard to fast forward on the phone and only skip that one part and not skip halfway into the first match. So, that's my first opening little note. Okay, so the first match, finally. Um, The match. The show opens with Jake Hager, who people who may have followed in WWE is better known as Jack Swagger. Jake Hager is apparently his real name. Whatever. Um, versus Dustin Rhodes, who anyone who watched in the Attitude Era would probably remember better as Goldust. But he can't play Goldust because it's a WWE thing, so now he's just himself but still painting his face. Whatever. Um, So this is a grudge match. Uh, You know, Jake Hager is part of the inner circle in AEW, which is the champion chris jericho's um little group and of course they butt heads but all the baby faces their heels so this came up as a result of dustin rose calling Jake Hayer jericho's bitch that's important to remember as we go on um so i'm just going to kind of give you my notes as i took them as i had to watch all of this now this match wasn't really bad at all it was actually pretty good but a couple things so i'm gonna harp a lot on the commentary on this fucking programming because by and large it's the drizzling shits and sometimes a line just kind of sticks out as i'm listening and it's so fucking ridiculous that i just have to question what the hell they were thinking tony shivani made a comment you know, while calling the action and said a backdrop suplex is quite a weapon. And the phrasing of it's just so fucking weird that I'm just like, really, Tony, that that's the best you could come up with. You know, there are times when you should probably talk and there are times where you should probably shut the hell up. And that was one of those times where you could have actually shut the hell up and nobody would have cared. Um, my next note, because it was a fairly early one, is why are they in the crowd? How long is the damn count for a count out here? Is it a 10-count? Is it a 20-count? Is it a fucking 30-count? Is it non-existent? Does it only exist when they want it to exist? Someone please explain, because it's it's a frequent problem in their shows, from what I've seen, where they like to be outside of the ring for an exceptionally long period of time that is far longer than a standard 10-count, which should be considered 10 seconds. I mean, you can milk that a little bit, but, you know... More than that, you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds is kind of, okay, what the hell, get back in the damn ring. Um, And I don't understand how people who, in this case, are veterans, don't understand that you bury your ref. The referee is buried when they're not counting you out when you've been out longer than 10 seconds. But instead, the referee knows the results of this match and knows that it's supposed to end by pinfall or submission or whatever the hell in the ring. So they... Delay their count until it looks like you might be heading your way back in and this is noticeable to me as a fan never worked in the wrestling business, but this shit's noticeable Fucking count dude, but fine, whatever Um, I was amused when the crowd started chanting Jericho's bitch that was hilarious to me some things in wrestling just catch fire and That caught fire for Jake Hager Poor guy can only catch fire and, and kind of get over off of, a, you know, a, a catchphrase, which, by the way, if AEW is is intent on, you know, not being WWE, maybe y'all should stop being WWE, you know, being all anti about the catchphrases and all that shit. But whatever, um, furthermore, back to the commentary. Excalibur sounds like a fucking moron. I, I, listening to him talk is grating on my damn nerves, and I have to listen to his stupid-ass voice for three hours. I I do not appreciate that because he's an idiot. He's a mark. He's not an announcer. Doesn't, he clearly doesn't have any broadcasting background, which gets illustrated a lot better a little bit further down. But he, everything he says, I mean, every now and then he says something that's not completely stupid, but they're few and far between. Sounds like a goddamn moron. It should really get off commentary uh to me jr is the only credible announcer here uh and i know tony shivani has just as much experience i never particularly care for shivani's style it just not the same you know he's i don't know what the hell to describe him as but he just doesn't interest me as an announcer like he does better when he's interviewing people but as an announcer he just i don't know seems like it's a a a tryhard or something i don't don't know but tony rose me the wrong way tony's better than excalibur leaps and bounds better but jr is the best of the announcers still you know the greatest announcer of all time and he's still holding that mantle um i noted that there were a lot of apron spots you know spots where they get dropped on the apron of the ring you know where it's By all accounts from every podcast I've ever listened to and every story that they try and tell in the wrestling ring, the hardest part of the ring, maybe y'all should do less spots there and not have one in every damn match because pretty much every match on this card, except for maybe Cody and MJF, has a spot where somebody get suplexed or dropped on the apron in some way shape or form and it got old really really fast like if somebody's going to do an apron spot you know a ddt or a suplex nobody else should do one for the rest of the night so it actually means something but now because i've seen it so much if i didn't fucking know better i would have to question is that really the hardest part of the ring or is that actually the softest damn part of the ring because you're just bouncing off of it like it's fucking trampoline Um, next note for me was, uh, there was a, you know, spot where Hager's wife is shown in the audience and does a little bit of trying to coach him. And Dustin ends up kissing her as, you know, just a way to fuck with the heel. And that was amusing and it's very classically Dustin. I found it hilarious. That that was kind of a bit of a highlight to me. Um... Dustin moves around really great, considering I'm pretty sure he's over 50 at this point. I think he moves around better now than he ever has, and he's always been good in the ring. But I think he's gotten even better as he's gotten older. Which is weird, but hey, dude's moving around pretty well, so can't really complain. Um, he did counter have a nice little counter to the Vader Bomb, which you know is where the version where you run, jump, and and onto the second rope and fall backwards and splash the guy the kick that he did to counter that was pretty nice. There were a lot of counters I, um I liked how Dustin changed up his style a little bit knowing that Jake Hager is legitimately an MMA fighter has legitimate amateur wrestling backgrounds um you know and is versed in wrestling and submissions like you know collegiate wrestling and MMA Submission holds and all that. I like how he switched up his game, brought in, you know, an arm bar. I like the way that when he locked in the arm bar, when he was trying to get in, couldn't get it all the way in, he just took his free leg and slammed it across his face, realistically, until he could get the arm locked in. I mean, it it transitioned and switched into, you know, an ankle lock. Brings up a question I was asking as I was watching this match what the hell is Jake Hager's finisher these days? Um, He did a gut wrench powerbomb, which was his finisher originally when we first saw him in WWE for the first few years or so then of course there's the ankle lock which he had switched to and he did both of those in this match starting just when I felt like it was starting to get a little bit long they finally went home and um he ended it with an arm triangle which I thought was kind of unique just because no one ever of all the submission hoes that I that you generally see used in a wrestling match that's never really one that ends it so I liked it I mean, and it was realistic. It's something he would do in MMA and he would probably win with. Um, my only other note with them is that Hager's music just does not fit him. It's a rap song, and I don't think, you know, to look at him and listen to him talk and, and all that, I don't see him as a rap listener. Not a heavy one. Uh, maybe some fucking Macklemore or something, but I, I don't really see him listening <laughs> to rap songs on a regular basis so the music doesn't really suit him to me it's just like a generic thing like everyone in the company needs music so let's just randomly give them something that was my notes on this first match overall pretty good match it wasn't there wasn't anything really offensive in it um they're two big guys so they did a lot of brawling and a little wrestling and technical stuff. The ha-ha wasn't overbearing. Like, it was appropriate. It fit characters. It wasn't ha-ha for the sake of ha Um, All in all, it was a solid match, a solid opener. Like, a good match to fire the crowd up, but not so good that no one could follow it. So, by and large, a good match. Didn't have any problems with it. They transitioned from this, and this is the first time we get to see the announcers and my first look here on this particular show at Excalibur is you look like a fucking moron why do you have a mask on you dumbass you're wearing a suit you're broadcasting why do you have a lucha mask on by the way i am fairly certain he's caucasian why do you have a lucha mask on and from what i know he only ever worked in like one area that wasn't fucking mexico so why you dipshit do you have a lucha mask on it's bad enough you sound like a mark you sound like a fan trying to play at being an announcer with very little knowledge of moves how to tell a story how to sell a story you can say tope suicida very well though you Fucking idiots. I don't like him. I'm going to bash him a lot in this review because he's horrible. He looks really fucking stupid. He sounds really fucking stupid, and I just don't like him. If we had to go with a, a variation of the people that are on commentary tonight, which is JR, Tony Schiavone, and Excalibur, just fucking remove Excalibur. Okay? I would prefer you gone with JR and Taz since Taz does work there and is far better at this announcing thing than the other ones, but jr and shivani would have been fine but add excalibur in and just it's god damn it i just wish he'd shut up and get the hell off my screen i should intercede here and and say this show might be a little bit on the long side just because there's so much to cover clearly i'm not going to take up three hours of your time because i'm not going to sit here and recount move for move everything that happens but i am going to go through everything and i have a lot of notes so, next up, though, it is Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen. First note, because I complained about Jake Hager's music not fitting him, and then I realized at this point as I listened to Sammy Guevara's entrance that, okay, it's pretty much just random for people that don't have a, I don't know, I guess rights to a specific song or some shit. I don't know. But apparently it's just most of the roster has random-ass music that probably won't fit. That, whatever, it's a thing. Um I guess, I mean, this is a grudge match. I guess the Inner Circle at some point took Darby Allen out, and he returned and, and did the usual babyface thing, so this is a grudge match. This match isn't horrible, but I do have a problem with the fact that it did not um... It didn't actually start right here. When I start going into the action that I see here, it's not the legit match. Um... They, you know, they start off brawling, which is fine. It's grudge match. You know, I, I guess I don't really need a collar and elbow tie-up on this one. Um, the first really big, you know, move of note was the dive. That, you know, they at some point they end up in or around the ring. I don't know. But Sammy Guevara is on, like, the other side of the ring. And Darby Allin dives out at him. But the way that he died with such reckless abandon. Like, I don't know, is that the way he intended to do this dive? But the way that he landed, like, kind of on his head, looked kind of dangerous. Like, maybe when he did that, he underestimated the distance that Sammy was from him or overestimated or something. But the way that he landed, he barely touched Sammy when he hit him. You know, he, he got a little bit like there was some contact there, but you can tell Darby Allen took the worst of that fall. He got back up, but Jesus Christ, maybe he needs to slow down on the dives or pick a better type of dive because diving through the ropes the way he did, it, it's, it's one of those horror moments that could have gone a lot worse. If he had landed a little bit higher, he probably would have broken his neck. So again, I, I don't think that's the way he meant to do it. And if it is, maybe he should reevaluate. Um, because it, it just looked painful as fuck. Um, and it was at this point that I realized that the match hadn't actually started. No bell had rang. The, the match has, it has not officially begun. So they're just going to do shit that they can't do in the rules of the match. And this is a thing with this company, but fine. Because um, the next thing they do, pulls out some tables. Um... I think Sammy hits a six thirty 30 cent on Darby through the table. And I'm just like, okay, well, all the time you took the to set that up seemed kind of unnecessary in a fucking fight. You dumbass, but all right, fine, whatever. Um, and then they get back in the ring and Jr. makes another point of commentary that I thought was funny as hell and accurate. He says, these 20 somethings believe that what they do is the right thing to do. And just listening to that and the way he said it, I mean, because he's an older guy, that to me, that was shade. That was clearly him saying, you know, y'all been out here like five minutes already. And most of the shit y'all did to jumpstart this thing y'all got going really wasn't necessary, which I kind of agree. Like I don't mind the fight, but really they could have just gotten the damn ring and started fighting. And I would have been okay with the damn bell ring and leave the weapons out of it. I mean, because both of them are kind of small. It's, it's not like I you know, would legitimately be intimidated by either of them, but it, at least I could look at them and say, well, hell, these guys really hate each other, except all the damn dives in the table spot and all that. It's like, all right, fine, whatever. Not the worst offense in the world. And once the match actually gets going, it's not a bad match. Um, there's actually some pretty good things. I, I think Sammy Guevara is actually a, a pretty decent little mid-card chicken shit heel. I don't see him as a main event player. I've, I've seen some comparisons of him and Eddie Guerrero. He is no fucking where near Eddie Guerrero, and I think it's kind of insulting to Eddie, but also it, it holds back Sammy by trying to compare him to the biggest Latino star of the last, I don't know, three decades. Um, he's not Eddie. He, he doesn't have the, the same appeal as Eddie. He has a very different appeal that is entirely his own. So I'm not shitting on him by saying he's not Eddie. I'm just simply saying that's not Eddie real. He doesn't do anything that really reminds me of Eddie at any point. Other than the fact that they're both Latino. So can we not compare every Latino superstar to Eddie? Because there will never be another Eddie. Just saying. Um Darby Allen uh, did a move I hadn't really seen in a while—the a gory special, you know, submission hold. Uh, the last person I saw to do anything close to it, honestly, was Chavo Guerrero, and he doesn't do it as a submission hold; he just does it as a slam or face buster or whatever the hell. Um, and I haven't even seen him do it in about I don't know, fifteen years. Um, my one question, my bit of critique here with the match as it was officially underway is that you know fairly early on darby allen starts biting sammy why isn't he a baby isn't darby the babyface in this match he's he, he's supposed to be coming for revenge he's the babyface. i don't know if no one told either of these two morons but generally baby faces don't bite unless it's like retaliation for being bitten first but sammy hadn't bitten him at any point darby allen bites him like twice it has to. that's how he has to release the gory, especially because he's biting his hand and bending his fingers and all that crap. Um, stay in your line, my kid. That's kind of just annoying to me as a fan to watch a clear baby face resort to a dirtier heel tactic for absolutely no reason. I get what he was probably trying to do, was trying to show his anger and desperation to win, but you can do that by just punching the crap out of him, honestly. You don't really need to bite him. That's still underhanded. You know, sometimes you might want to listen to the older folks that actually drew money. They actually know what the hell they're talking about, and I'm pretty sure a veteran could have told you that you were doing some heelish tactics here, but, you know, whatever. That's that's It is what it is. It's kind of a minor nitpick, honestly. Another thing with the commentary, though, Excalibur has to tell us that AEW is trending on Twitter, and I need someone to tell this mask-wearing fucking dork. We didn't give a shit on WWE when Michael Cole started telling us that whatever the hell was going on on Raw, SmackDown, whatever the fuck show he was on was, was trending. We don't give a shit now, okay? If we give a shit about what's trending, guess what? We're already on Twitter, and we can see you're trending. Shut the hell up, you fucking mask, dumbass. And yes, I'm going to be harsh on him because he sucks. And I'm not going to relent because he sucks. Um, next note, though. Um, again, second match, a lot of shit done on the apron. Why? Stay the fuck off the apron. Stop doing slams, suplexes, DDTs, pile drivers, whatever the hell, on the damn apron of the ring. It's stupid. It's overdone already and we're only two matches in. And it's going to get so much worse. Um, my next thing... Why is the Canadian Destroyer just another move? Even JR mentions it on commentary that that move used to be a match ender. In other words, he's subtly saying, in case one of these idiots watched this shit back ever, he's basically giving you advice on commentary, telling you, hey, stop using other people's finish as just a random move in your match, especially when that move is actually more over than you are. Just my just interpretation... But that's how I took it, because it's accurate. Um, Tony, And then Tony makes the comment that things have changed. Well, no shit, because generally speaking, you know, the older generation would understand if you hit a big move such as any form of pile driver... You don't just use that as a random move in the match. If it's not your finisher, yeah, you might use it for a near fall or you use it to set up something. But if somebody has a special variation on it, you don't just use it as a random move in the match. You know, you you use the standard power driver as a regular thing in the match. That's fine. But when you do the, the fucking whatever. It's, it, to me, Shivani sounds too much like a kiss-ass right now. It's like, damn, are you this hurt for money that you just say whatever the fuck you think that the idiot billionaire that runs your company wants you to say instead of saying, you know, that's actually kind of fucking dumb, And here's why. I mean, if that's what it is, then I guess more power to you, but honestly, I just wish you'd shut the hell up. Uh, next note, Spanish Fly. They hit a Spanish Fly in this, and again, Spanish Fly never in any company is actually a finisher. Every time I see it, it's just another move to get a near fall. Why? I mean, if you're not going to use it to win the damn match, you could at least just use it as a spot where you could both be down and sell for a minute, catch your breath, get ready to set up the next transition. Instead, it's a fucking near fall, and it's just so stupid. Oh, And then afterwards, the crowd starts chanting AEW, and I hate, as a fan, I hate when the fans in the arena start chanting a promotions name. Why are we chanting the promotions name? You know, when I was growing up watching this shit, up until, you know, with the exception of ECW, ECW started that trend of, oh, we're going to chant the damn promotions name, which is stupid. But prior to ECW, and after ECW, because in WWE, when it was just Raw and SmackDown, no one chanted Raw or SmackDown, because first off, there would be a weird-ass chant. Secondly, chant for who? the fuck you're cheering for so there's clear baby face and a clear heel in this match why is no one chanting darby allen instead you start chanting AEW. hmm takes me right the hell out of the match honestly but (sighs) next note i really wish people would stop using variations on the stunner to get a papa and only use it to set up another move like, everybody can't use stunner as a finisher, obviously, but maybe y'all should just find another fucking move other than the stunner to set up for whatever move you're going to attempt. Darby Allen does some kind of flippy little stunner, and then he does his little flippy thing off the top rope that he calls the coffin drop, and that's how he finally ends it. Okay, so now we move on um, after the Sammy Guevara Darby Allen thing, um, which. I had no issue with that match, Uh, you know, I had a few, obviously, but it wasn't horribly offensive. I've seen worse, I've seen more flippy shit. Matter of fact, in this next match, I want to see a lot more stupid-ass flippy shit that people think is the best thing in the world, and I'm just bored as fuck. Uh, The next match is the tag team title match, which is the main reason that someone suggested that I review this dumb shit, and... What was going up and down my timeline when this aired live, On you know, the the wrestling pages I follow on Facebook were just ecstatic over this match. Oh, this match is the best thing ever. Let me preface this by saying, no, the fuck it wasn't. Okay, this really isn't. It's the tag titles. It's the Young Bucks challenging the champions, Kenny Omega and Adam Page. Oh my lord, where to begin? Okay, so first, let's start off. They, of course, have a video package to hype up the story for this match. Which is the four of them all being in this group that they call the Elite now. The club. I don't know what the fuck they call themselves. I really don't give a shit. But, um... They're friends, right? And legitimately, they are. Which is fine. I just don't give a shit. Um... And there's tension between... Kenny Omega and Adam Page, because Adam, I guess, is newer to the group and somehow deemed as less of a star. I guess he's less experienced. I don't fucking know, because to me personally, he's the best out of the four of them by far. Um, But the storyline basically is, you know, the tension between, you know, Omega and Page and then between Page and... The Bucks, because the Bucks basically told him he was nothing until they invited him into their little group. I mean, but who the fuck outside of your core audience actually knows who your group is? Just saying. Um, but it tells a story, and it kind of, I guess, the idea is to promote some doubt on whether Adam Page is really going to stick by Kenny Omega or if he's going to fucking turn on him in this match finally. And the Young Bucks finally get the tag team titles whatever it was is it, it is what it is but it's also kind of fucking dumb um but whatever Let we get through the video package and i know the announcer's job is to hype shit up but you don't have to insult my intelligence you know jr says it can't get any better than this i call bullshit um by and large, I think I'd rather watch paint dry than watch a match with the Bucks and Kenny Omega in it. But I'm stuck watching this bitch. And for the record, this fucking match is over 30 minutes long. You, the, the why the fuck is this over 30 minutes long? At best, y'all should have gone for about 10 minutes and ended this dumb shit. But no, no, I, I, I have to watch this for 30 minutes. Um, they overhype Omega on his entrance. I mean, I understand making a big deal about the fact that the Bucks come in together it makes them look more like a team and, you know, page and Omega come in separately. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of a thing. Okay. But the hype for Omega specifically was just overdone. One of the best wrestlers in the world today says fucking who Dave Meltzer. Fuck him. Um, they talked about Omega, you know, having the Iron Man match the Wednesday before this show against PAC yeah, 30 minute Iron Man match. He has to be, you know, injured or whatever. He comes out with a little tape on his shoulder and all that from whatever injury in that match. And then Excalibur just once again makes himself look like an ass because he says that, um, you know, that this was the best match ever on TNT. And I'm like, it, it really? That farce of an Iron Man match? Okay, fine, whatever. It's just fucking stupid. Fuck him. Um,. Justin Roberts, um, I kind of see why WWE let you go, frankly, because I could do without him being the announcer on this shit. You know, the ring announcer, whatever. Um, Tony, at one point, suggested a strategy for the Bucks to follow, which is to aggravate Adam Page, who's the more emotional one, and take advantage. And I'm like, okay, you know what? Stick to your play-by-play type shit. Don't, don't, don't. Come with the strategy shit. That's not your thing, Tony. Just stay away from that. Um. Then they also, and this is all before the Mash Arts, they hype up the fact that the young books are apparently putting out a book at the end of the year. Which basically talks about the fact that I guess they started as backyard wrestlers, which explains why they are the drizzling shits in the ring. Because they haven't learned shit since they went from the backyards to the quote-unquote big times and they they're promoting this book and i'm like of all the things that i could do with my life reading a book about these two fuckwits and their rise from backyard wrestling to indie wrestling um shit stains is probably not hiding on my to-do list if you haven't noticed i really can't stand the young bucks and it's going to show All throughout this review. Because I have to watch this shit for 30 minutes. Oh my god. So. As the match finally gets started. All I can think in my head is. Hey look at all the flips. Can one of you dumb fuckers throw a goddamn punch? Sorry. That's just my my view as a fan. I'm like. "Um, Flips are cool to look at for a little while but considering this is a young bucks match i'm not going to see much butt flips if someone if anyone in here had a brain and came into a match against the young bucks what they would do is they would just stand there and punch them in the mouth repeatedly why because how the fuck do they guard against it they clearly don't know how to fight not really so punch them in the mouth repeatedly until they stop doing flippy shit or punch them so hard that they forcefully do a flip and maybe they'll figure out hmm I need to find another way to wrestle other than doing retarded flippy shit that doesn't make any damn sense. And 3,000 super kicks in one match that never end the match and aren't actually very effective because they very rarely even knock the person down. <sighs> and then, okay, Paige spits in Matt's face. Matt Jackson won the Bucks, and I watched his face, and I'm like, oh, that's what you look like when you're angry? Because you look like you're constipated. Oh, they drive me insane. Then, commentary begins to piss me off, and it's going to be a theme throughout this match and throughout this show. I need Tony Schiavone, Excalibur, whoever fucked. Don't ever compare the Young Bucks to all-time great tag teams like the Rock and Roll Express, the Midnight Express, or the Andersons. Okay, and I and all three—they made this comparison, like, "Oh, I, we you know this is something special." Like, no, 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 no. The Young Bucks, aside from the fact that they are smaller than every one of those teams, the size isn't the most important thing. So th- that's not. The biggest takeaway from this. The problem is, every one of the three teams that you named drew money around the country or around the world consistently and had matches that made fucking sense. It had psychology that can tell a story. They could build a feud. If they couldn't cut a promo themselves, that's what they had a manager for. Although, in the Anderson's case, both of them couldn't cut a promo. Rock and roll did what they could with a promo. The Midnight had Jim Cornette. You don't get to compare the Young Bucks to any of those teams because no. And then just realistically, if you're going to compare them to the Andersons, if Oli still gave a shit, by all accounts, by every story that I've ever heard told anywhere about Oli, if he actually gave a shit enough to watch the shit and heard you compare these two little miserable balding fucks to him, in his heyday, I think he'd actually smack the shit out of you. Because they don't compare. They're nothing like him. They don't draw like he did. They don't make sense in their matches like he did. Their matches actually aren't that fucking good. Yeah, they're athletic. They're far more athletic. Because they can flip every which way around there. But who the fuck cares? My next note, to continue on with the matches, I noticed two people on the same team are in the ring At the same time, for far too long. They have like a five count, supposedly, to get the fuck out of the ring. Instead, they just hop back in the ring and just do shit to each other. Because screw the rules, you know, three of the four people in this damn match are actually vice presidents in the company. And they're going to do the fuck they want to do. Regardless of the fact it makes no sense at all. Uh, more notes. The Bucks just do moves for the sake of doing moves. There's no logic behind it. They just do shit. Random shit. It's literally like watching a video game. Actually, scratch that. There's more logic in the video games than there is in a Young Bucks match. Just saying. Um, Excalibur just kind of annoys the fuck out of me because he couldn't decide whether to call, you know, this move the Scorpion Deathlock or the Sharpshooter. Pick one, you mass dipshit and just stick with it. Don't flip-flop between them both. We all know it as either the Sharpshooter or the Scorpion Netlock, or we know both. Just fucking pick one. Pick your favorite, you stupid dipshit, and just go with that name for it. Um. God, I hate this match. So Omega literally points whenever he does anything. If he's gonna hit the ropes, he points the ropes and then turns and and fucking ballet. Dancer runs across the fucking ring to hit the damn ropes. If he's going to jump to the top rope, he points to the damn turnbuckle. If he's going to go dive out over the top to the outside to the floor, he's going to point to the outside so that you know that's the direction he's going. Fucking moron. Um, my other takeaway as I'm watching the cavalcade of fuckery that is this match is that out of the four of them... Adam Page is undoubtedly the star in this group. He's the one with the potential to actually be a legitimate star, not just a star to the fan base that likes this type of stupid shit. Um We got to a spot where Adam Page was on the apron, the Bucks were in the ring and had hold of the top rope and Page just jerks the rope and the, the young Bucks flip out over the top and hit the floor and it's the stupidest thing because how someone explain the fucking logic in it it makes no sense now if he had grabbed both of them and tossed them I would I mean I don't know how he could but at least that would be realistic but no he just yanked the top rope and you stupid fucks took a bump over the top rope why that's not how gravity works dumbass and now you can't suspend that much damn disbelief that looks stupid it looks stagey It was a dive for the sake of a dive, you dumbass. Um. Further notes. Because I'm going to keep going through the shit. The Bucks throw absolutely drizzling shit punches. They suck. Their punches don't look like anything. They suck. They just fucking suck. Probably because they have never been in a legit fight. If they have, it would surprise me. Because their working punches look like shit. Um. And by this point, I'm, I'm just questioning why the fuck is this match so long? And I didn't even realize how long it had been until they fucking, you know, started telling me, oh, such, such time has elapsed. When they finally said something about 30 minutes had elapsed, 30 more minutes remaining. Ah, fuck. All right. This match is long as hell. Um, Once again, I'm going to point out there was a whole lot of damn super kicks in this match that didn't do shit. They didn't even knock Kenny Omega down. If you kick a motherfucker in the face and you can't knock him down, your kicks suck. Just need you to know that. Um, I would also like to know who the fuck this ref is because clearly he doesn't know how to referee. Um, or realistically, honestly, they told him not to referee the way he should actually referee because there's so many times to count out and shit here. Um, more notes, flips, flips, and more flips, and who gives a fuck? Um, also, to Kenny Omega, stop pointing, you fucking, simpering fuckwit, because that's really annoying. You always have to point. It's annoying. Stop that. Also, his facial expressions suck. His, his general movement is just awkward as hell, and I don't understand the hype behind this man. Uh, more notes. There was a triple Northern Lights suplex on the ramp, and I just want to know why the fuck that was necessary. It's it's a triple Northern Lights suplex, which, okay, in the ring could be something. But why do we need to do it on the ramp as a way to get rid of Paige? Oh. You don't know how to just toss a motherfucker in a way where he lands in a way that looks like it could be kind of awkward, so he just lay there for a minute. But then on the on the the uh, ramp here, they have to do their Meltzer driver. And I only know it's the Meltzer driver because they finally told me that the announcers told me what the fuck it was. Well, no, correction, one of the announcers told me what it was, and the Excalibur called it something totally different because he's an idiot. So they call it the Meltzer Drive, which is a stupid-ass name because you named your finisher after somebody who's not even in the wrestling business. He's a fucking journalist who's a pariah on the outside of the wrestling business, hoping and praying that someone in the wrestling business will accept him. And he finally has that after all these years. Oh, God, there are wrestlers that are actually looking up to me because they don't fucking know any better. Whatever. So they named it after him, and it's basically a fucking tombstone pile driver with, you know, an assist from the top, right? Which is ridiculous only on the Young Bucks because they're so goddamn small. Like, y- you couldn't realistically hit that on a larger team. Because the two of you together, I think, weighed 390 pounds. So a little under 400 pounds. You're not going to pick up the larger guys with, with this shit and actually manage to drop them with it. That's kind of fucking dumb. Um, and Excalibur calls it the Indy Taker. Hey, you masked dipshit. How about you settle on a fucking name? Because if they call it the Meltzer Driver, why are you calling it the Indie Taker? Because it sounds like you're taking a shot at the Undertaker. Who's drawing more money than all four of the people in this ring combined... Probably ever will draw. Just being real. So, stupid ass name. Go with the name that the stupid asses actually call it because when you call it Indy Taker, it's just like, okay, really, you're stupid. Um, more notes. More ineffective super kicks. We had a kick out at one of a tag team finisher type move by Omega. Why do you not? I mean, whatever. Um, finally, a table bomb. And at this point, I'm seriously just sitting here like, oh, please, God, let this goddamn match in. Uh, the Bucks kick out of pretty much everything. They have to kick out of everybody's finishers because, oh, my God, they, they have to be resilient, right? They have to be able to kick out of shit, you dumbass. Um, again, I'm like, why is it still going? Because we're over the 30-minute mark at this point. Um, JR makes a comment that said, this is tag team wrestling. I call bullshit again. That was four guys in ring technically having a match. That was not tag team wrestling, but whatever. Again, dipshit keeps saying the indie taker because they hit their fucking finish. The Bucks hit their finish again, and I'm like, okay, seriously, just fucking call it. I mean, the Meltzer Driver is stupid as fuck, but the other one is just like, you're basically calling attention to the fact that no one in this ring right now is as big a star as the man who's most well-known for that move. Dumbass. Um, The other thing in commentary is they have to make constant... There are constant shots being taken at the WWE, and we know them for what they are. Tag team wrestling will never be an afterthought here. Hmm. If this is the best your tag team division has, maybe it fucking should be. Because this was excruciating to watch. Dear fucking salty sweet Christ, I could not have been more glad that someone finally put this damn match to an end. Um, Which, Adam Page is the one that wins. He, he manages to pin them, and him and Kenny Omega are still together. We're gonna draw that storyline out more, whatever. My takeaway at the end of this match, though, is this. Page is the star out of here. In another year or two, this guy should no longer be a tag team. He should have worked his way back to the top. He should be the main event. He should be the world champion or constantly challenging for the world title. I don't give a shit if he's heel, babyface, whatever. Adam Page out of this group of four is is the one that they need to focus on and build to be the star, to be like more of the face of the damn company. He just has it. His facial expressions are better. He does not do a move that should knock a motherfucker down and they not go down. Um, I think he needs to work with some veterans as they build him. Some that can teach him to slow down and why you don't have to take every single move that your opponent knows before you end the match. And why every single move that you know does not have to be done in every match. But Adam Page, definitely going to be the star out of this group. If he's not, AW is fucked up really. Okay, now, if you think I'm done shitting on the show, you couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> there is plenty more to shit on. There's some good stuff coming up, but it ain't this damn next match. So this next match is the women's title match. Chris Statlander is challenging Nyla Rose. So, I'd heard a little bit about this Chris Statlander, that she is an alien as in a literal alien, not like, you know, she's just a foreigner or something. No, this bitch is blonde-haired and blue-eyed. She considers herself an actual alien. Okay. I, I, While I would like to try to suspend disbelief on that, what the actual fuck, dude? She even says she lists herself as being from the Andromeda galaxy. Really? And it gets worse. Because Excalibur, when she's making her entrance, says that she is unfamiliar with Earth's atmosphere. And because of that, got sick with the flu. Here's a little note. When the veteran announcer, in this case Tony Schwanning, says, can you repeat that again so I can make a note of it? I don't know what his actual intent was. Maybe he's trying to laugh along with it. But I took that as, what you said is so fucking stupid, I want to write it down so that I can explain to you the myriad of reasons why you should never utter those words together in a sentence ever again. It was... It's, it's so stupid, and listening to him is so exhausting, I swear to God. And it doesn't get any better as the show goes on. And yes, again, I'm going to continue to shit on Excalibur because he sucks. And if you make me review a WWE show, guess what? I'm going to shit over Michael Cole and Corey Graves the same way because they are the drizzling shits on announcing too. I don't even know who the fuck announces Raw anymore, but I'll probably shit on them too, just to be real. So it's not like I'm playing favorites. I don't just outright love WWE and hate AEW. No, no, no. I hate both products equally at this point. Just throw that out there. Um, I will say that the opening, um, the little promo package that they did was a little different for them. It was more like an interview with Nyla Rose and and, um, the announcers. So JR was in it. Shivani was in it. Taz was in it. And I find that interesting. Um, the one thing, though, as far as I know, it has never been mentioned on air that Nyla Rose is transgender. We all know it if we follow AEW on social media and we follow the wrestling news. We know she's transgender. She was, you know, born male and has transitioned to female. Here's why I point this out. You could make something of that storyline. You either make her an ambassador for, you know, inclusivity or since she's a little bit more heel you run with that shit you take advantage of the, the the shit that's in the in the news now where they swear that a man who's transitioned to a female you know has a athletic advantage over those that were born and still identify as female run with that shit use it to get her heat because that's that's what's really missing from wrestling now for the most part, heels don't get heat. And newsflash, people seem to have forgot that in this modern era, but that's the whole point of wrestling. There's a good guy and a bad guy, and you pay to see the good guy kick the bad guy's ass. But the bad guy has to actually be bad for you to give a shit. Just saying, one way or another, they should make mention of that on air and use it. Not You don't have to overuse it. You don't have to overstate it. But make use of it one way or another, since y'all are all about inclusivity anyway. Okay, well, since we all know, address it on air for those that may not know. Um, I will say this. The first entrance that I saw that I really liked was Nyla Rose. I f- felt that hers fit her character and was unique. It stood out. It had some flame pyro, and she looks like the beast that she claims herself to be. So... Like that, um, but as they she made her way to the ring after she got in the ring or whatever, and they and you know the ring announcer is telling us about the time limit of the match. They say this has a sixty minute time limit, and all I can think to myself, based on what I've seen of this women's division, is I really fucking hope they never ever book a match to a time limit draw, and after this match. I was further cemented in that hope that I never want them to do that in this women's division as it stands because Jesus fucking Christ, no one could sit through that. Um, Next thing. Match starts. Why is it the women are the first ones to actually lock up to start the match? We are like three, four matches in. Four matches in now? Four matches. Four matches in, Definitely at least an hour and a half in this damn show. Um, And the girls are the first one to figure out, hey, why don't we lock up to start off, you know, what people used to do in matches. Um, The next thing I noticed was Chris Datlander botched a kip up. Reminds me of, uh, of a bit of advice that I've heard repeated that apparently came from Dusty Rhodes and was originally directed at Big Bubba Rogers or the Big Boss Man. And it was very simply, do not do shit you don't know how to do. Do not do shit you don't know how to do. And apparently, this girl doesn't know how to keep up. Okay, If you can't really spring to your feet that way, if that your body doesn't work that way, that's fine. I can't do it either. Just stand the fuck up. Just stand up really quickly. It, it it has the same effect. Everyone does not have to do what you saw Shawn Michaels do first. Okay, he was really good at it. You're really not. Stop making an ass of yourself. Just saying. Um, this match was incredibly slow. Um, like it, it, there there isn't a whole lot of description in there, but um. Because nothing they did was uh, most of what they did was not particularly memorable, other than the fact that it moved really slow. It was plodding. Um, I will say that Nyla Rose has a lot of charisma, like the way that when she was standing on the ramp and Chris Dettliner died dived out after her, and she just walked to the side, and the way she strutted as she dodged and let her face plant. Okay, I, I, I see some charisma there. I see something that can be worked with. Um, another thing, when I got back in the ring and they had a near fall or whatever, Nyla Rose actually sat up to let her kick out. And, like, you could tell. It's just one of those things that you're looking at it's, like, it's off-putting. Because it's, like, okay, no, I I know she didn't really try to kick out there. It's, like, Nyla sat up because, oh, shit, she's not going to kick out. That's the way it looked to me. Maybe I'm wrong, maybe not, but it just looked weird. Um, Nyla also threw a really light clothesline. Like, there's no way in the hell this girl should have gone down. And maybe it's because she's, you know, kind of strong. And she's afraid to legitimately hurt the girl. But the problem is that your clothesline looked as soft as it was. Um, Chris Statlander throws a whole lot of shitty forearm shots. She has a super kick that really doesn't do a goddamn thing. She didn't even make, you know, slap her leg or whatever to make the sound. It, you can tell it didn't connect. And it did knock Nyla Rose off her feet. So what the fuck was the point? Um... As I'm watching this shit, my big note from this was this match should not have taken place in front of people. Um, I think Nyla was probably the more experienced worker of the two, but she's a in, in this case, you know, being in the women's division and being as big as she is, she's a monster character. She's not really capable of leading a match. Well, no, she can. Maybe she can lead. She can call some spots, but she's not capable of just carrying the match that's not her role she's a monster she's supposed to come out and beat the fuck out of you that that, that's her thing if she has to tell you how she's going to beat the fuck out of you or has to lead you through her beating the fuck out of you it looks like this drizzling shits match um jr at one point actually says uh that chris datlander had to make a dive and he said and there she goes when she did it Um, there's an obvious point to me when he said it, that he's basically telling y'all there are too many dives from people, especially from people that don't necessarily need to do dives. I mean, these two women are, are probably the biggest two women in the division aside from Austin Kong. If she's still there, um, why are you diving? Don't do dives. Wrestle at your size comparative to the others in your division. Just saying, um, Excalibur also points out, you know, that Chris Statlin has three years of experience. And it sounds to me, after watching this plotting slugfest bullshit of a match, that that's an excuse for why the match sucks so hard. Don't explain to me why the match sucks. Okay? If you, as the announcer, feel the need to explain why the match is just horrid to watch, you would actually do better by going silent. Um... Because if she's got three years of experience looking at what I saw on this pay-per-view women's world title match, she ain't learned shit in the past three years. Just saying. Um. Then we get to a point in the match where Chris Statlander does a fucking handstand and walks across the ring while Nyla Rose is, like, on the second rope or something. Why? Um. This is a case of just because you can doesn't mean you should. Because it was stupid. It was dumb as fuck. Um. And at this point, as she did this, I'm just like, please God, either in this or in me now. I don't even give a fuck which. Just just in this. Put me out of my misery, please. Um few more notes, Nyla's STF looks better than John Cena's ever has. Um I want to know, you know, her move. Nyla's finisher move is apparently a power bomb. She calls it a beast bomb. She does hit it, I guess as a counter to a hurricane or whatever the fuck it. It's like a pop-up version of a sit-out power bomb. Fine. Why didn't it end here? Why did we need to continue having more of this shit-fest match? Um, it looked like Chris Statlander tripped when they went to the top to do a superplex and damn near killed them both. Um... Nyla Rose went to the top rope way too many times to be her size. You are the biggest wrestler physically in your division. You are the monster of your division. You call yourself the beast, the native beast, or whatever the fuck. Staff top rope. You don't need to go to the top rope. If you if you're feeling the need to go to the top rope, you're not you're not intimidating enough. You, you're going to the top rope. You're not up against somebody that's much you know bigger than you. You know, Chris Statlander is bigger than most of the division, considering most of them are like Japanese schoolgirls, but too much to top rope. Then she does an avalanche version of a beast bomb to finally fucking end this match, and it looked kind of sloppy, a little bit dangerous. I didn't like the way that Chris, you know, landed on that one, and I feel like that match should have ended at least five minutes before it did, since you had to have it. But thank God it was over. Nyla Rose retained. You got the result that you needed, but it took too damn long to get there. And then after the match, they hype up the fact that AEW has its own official podcast. And I just want to know why the fuck do you need one when, um, let's see, two of your, three of your announcers of the four of them, so Jr. Tony Schiavone and Taz all have podcasts. Why do you need one? Just thought, maybe, just maybe, let somebody else, let everybody else stick to the podcast, and y'all not. But you know, personal opinion, maybe it'll be good. Maybe other people like it. I personally won't give a shit either way. Okay, at this point, after this women's title match, I am like so exhausted to be watching this fucking show, and I'm so ready to be over. And I realize there's like an hour and a half left, and just when I'm like, okay, seriously, kill me now. Finally, something comes that I can actually be excited about. And that is Cody Rose versus MJF, Maxwell J. Freeman. And finally, I'm going to get something good here. And this is going to be the most complimentary I'm going to be to this fucking show. Okay, because this, bar none, was the best match on this card. few notes. Once I'm getting to this plan, I'm like, finally. And then I realize I still have two matches to go after this. And I'm like, fuck. But whatever. Because um, this, this match was really the only one on the card that I legitimately wanted to see. We have MJF, who is clearly a heel. And he's doing old school heel shit. The most basic heel shit. And draws so much actual heat. And everyone gets all pissy. You know, I I was on Facebook yesterday and people were bitching because, you know, there was a video of him at a meet and greet flipping off a fucking kid. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's a kid. He's seven years old. Blah, blah, blah. But then it comes out that this was a meet and greet that not only did this child's dad pay for, but they had to select which stars they wanted to have the meet and greet with. And you chose to bring your seven-year-old around a guy who has been a dick on national TV since AEW started and was a dick and everywhere else that he works. That's his thing. He's a heel. He's a legitimate heel. He's not here for you to like him. He's here to be an asshole. He's here to be a jackass. He's here to be a chicken shit. He's here to cheat and screw you, screw people over and, and work his way to the top because his, he only gives a fuck about winning. He's a heel. Stop bitching over being a heel. Cody Rhodes, despite what he had said some months back about, you know, the whole heel babyface dynamic not being relevant anymore, is clearly the fucking babyface here. So I don't know why the fuck he opened his mouth to say it. Um Quick Note. Cody always has the most elaborate fucking entrance on the card. If they have a budget specifically for pyro, 70% of that fucking budget got blown on Cody's entrance alone because he had all the pyro, all the fireworks. He had a band. He had to have his entire fucking friendly entourage walk him out to the ring. yes, this makes him look like a star, but it's really necessary. Um, at this point, everybody has seen the the horrible-ass tattoo on the side of his neck. I don't even know what the fuck it is. It's just, it's bright. It looks like, it looks like a fake tattoo, but it's real. And it's horribly placed, and it's just so awkward. And I don't know why he didn't consult his wife before he got that, but that was, it's just the worst thing he's ever fucking done. But it's hilarious to look at. Um... I don't understand, at the beginning of the match, I did not understand why the hell Brandy was there. I know she's Cody's wife, but he already has Arn Anderson, and that's really the better choice for a manager. He can technically take care of himself, because I don't give a shit how old Arn Anderson gets. I'm, You know, he looks like he can still fuck you up, okay? Even in his granddad clothes, he looks like if you piss him off, he can still fuck you up one good time. Brandy is very small. She's not very threatening, and what the fuck does she need to be there for her anyway? Her husband's a fucking babyface. Go to the back. back. Um, took them an awful long time to finally get to the match itself, but once they finally did, I'm, I'm okay with this. Because, um, frankly, this, this match actually woke me up and brought me into this show. Um notes mjf is just really good not just as a, as a promo not just as a heel but he's good as in in the ring he's light on his feet uh the opening sequence he just spent it running there's a story here he's done and, and the story that they built up to was you know them being friends and mjf threw in the towel during cody rhodes you know one and only aew world title match So, and Cody had made the stipulation that if he didn't win the title, he could never challenge for it again. And then he turned, and then MJF turns on him, kicks him in the balls like a heel. Okay. And then he admits he felt that, you know, Cody was just trying to keep him under his thumb, not actually help elevate him, blah, blah, blah. They had all these build up for weeks where he had, Cody had to meet stipulations in order to finally get MJF in the ring. You know, he had to uh, take the, um, 10 lashes, he had to fight the big bodyguard guy, Wardlow, in the cage. All that shit. Great shit. Great build up. And now, you know, in the opening part of the match, Cody just wants to get hold of him, and MJF runs like a chicken shit heel. Fantastic shit here. Um... The one thing, apparently Cody does a cutter now, it's like a springboard cutter, and there are too many cutters in the business now, so for the love of God, find something else to do, like, I mean, I know you worked alongside Randy Orton, and you are close to DDP, so the most famous people that use cutters or you know, around you and all, but that doesn't mean you have to jack the shit, dude. Um... <laughs> I like the fact that MJF targeted Cody's toe. For those that don't know, didn't pay attention, Cody broke his toe when he did a moonsault off the cage on the Wardlow a week or two ago, however fucking long it was. So he's coming in with a broken toe. So we're playing up the fact that Cody has a broken toe. And they play on this the entirety of the match. You know, logic, ecology, doing what you're supposed to do. Um... I noted that, you know, and I noticed this. I've seen Cody Wrestle Live. I saw him at the NWA 70th anniversary show. Cody can read and work the crowd better than anyone in AEW, period. Like he did a little airplane spin spot with MJF, and he did it really well. Um, and he knew, you know, he stopped at one point, and I feel like he kind of ad-libbed there when he started going again because like the crowd's really into him before he slammed him. So Good shit. Um, quick note on, on commentary here. Excalibur, don't you ever steal Jr's line about stomping a mud hole and walking and drying somebody ever again? Because you sound like a fucking dork. Just, just shut the hell up. If that line needed to be said, it should have been Jr saying it because he said it, you know, right with emotion, and not like some little dweeb wearing a mask sitting behind a desk wishing that he could still be in the ring, but he was never good enough to really be in the ring any fucking way. So he should probably stay where he's at. Just saying. Um, other notes. MJF is not overly flashy. He's solid and simple with what he does. He doesn't go in and do flips. Ever. Um, he doesn't do anything stupid. His face portrays the emotion he's trying to convey. So if he's supposed to be in pain, he looks like he's in pain. If he looks, if he's supposed to be scared, he looks like he's scared. He His facials are perfect at that. Um, I like how MJF got him in a submission hold and Cody actually not only gets to the ropes, but he actually literally bites the ropes to cause the break. Never seen that before in wrestling. Just fucking intelligent. It's some smart shit. Like, it shows desperation. Like, I can't reach it with my hand, but my teeth can get me there. And he bites the ropes and holds on and and forces a break. Love it. Um... There's a spot where MJF takes Cody's boot off of the foot that's the broken has a broken toe. And he bites his toe. A um, little over top in that I don't think I would ever feel comfortable under any circumstances sticking another man's toe in my mouth. Like, it's not one of my kinks. So, <laughs> um... And then, like, you know, his foot's been in the boots. I don't give a shit if he washed his feet literally 30 seconds before he walked out there. bro. we're, like, 15 minutes in this match. Gross. But it got heat. It, 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 and it was, you know, playing of the fact that he has a fucking broken toe. Loved it. Arn um grabs a chair to go at Warlow at one point. And I'm just like, Arn Anderson is still gold. He is still... The enforcer, just like he was for the Horseman, he's the enforcer. I believe that if he wraps, you know, hits this motherfucker with his chair, this motherfucker is going down. Loved it. Um, at some point in here, and I can't, I could not tell where MJF gets busted open, but I can't tell how. I have no idea how exactly they're trying to portray that he got busted open. I just know he's bleeding. Um. They did a hilarious spot with a cheat pin in front of the ref. So, like, he rolled Cody up and then put his foot on the ropes. And Wardlow came and held his foot on the ropes. But the referee is clearly looking at them and just knocks his feet off the ropes. Great shit. Um, And then I figure out why Brandy's here. She's here for a heat spot. Um, Wardlow goes after her, you know um, Cody goes out to rescue his wife because it's his wife, and maybe you shouldn't... And logically, in my head, I'm like, maybe you shouldn't bring your wife to a fight. Just saying. Um, and they use that as a way for Cody to miss Wardlow and actually kick Aaron Anderson. So it's a heat spot. It worked. It makes sense now why she was there. Still don't think it was necessary for her to be here just to do that spot, but fine, whatever. You got to it. Um... The next thing, they did the damnedest suplex over-the-top rope spot I've ever seen in my life. It was um, Cody, you know, or MJF started the suplexes him. Cody counters, backs to the ropes, you know, lifts MJF up to suplex him over the top. And MJF somehow grabs his head, so Cody goes out with him. They both go out and tumble to the floor beautiful spot that i could never begin to figure out how the hell they worked it and nobody got hurt um more notes let's see there were accurate countouts in this match when there were when it's necessary when they're outside the ring and there needs to be a ten count it's a fucking ten count a legit ten count and they beat the ten count. They kept, they got in at, uh, just after nine. Um, MJF actually cuts off, you know, the hype spot for Cody. You know, kind of reaching back and doing what Dusty would do with the punches and then the big elbow. He cut him off at the elbow. He just drops the mat, which is actually kind of clever because who the fuck would ever think to do that? Um, then they had a spot where Cody gets a little payback for the lashes. You know, the belt got brought in and is a wider belt. And Cody hits MJF with it in payback. The ref tries to take it. And then Cody pleads with the ref. It's like, no, 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 no. I took 10 lashes for this, from this motherfucker. Just let me get one more. And the ref, you know, it kind of playing up the fact that MJF is such an asshole, just walks away and turns his back. It's like, all right, fine, get one more. And Cody does. And he only takes the one. His baby face takes one sh- one more big shot and he throws the butt out. Um at the end there, they did the little spot where MJF is now he's begging. He's like, oh no, I'm sorry. He, you know, crawls his way up and, you know, makes the, you know, the face like he's crying and he actually manages to make himself cry. Kudos for that shit, because I don't know how to make myself cry. If I'm if I'm not in the mood to actually cry, I don't know how to fucking do that. Um and then he spits in Cody's face, and Cody just absolutely loses the shit. Drops him with his finisher, pulls him up, drops him with a second finisher. And now we're at the end um, because Cody doesn't win this. Surprisingly, you know, we all thought Cody was going to get his payback here, and I guess Cody decided it wasn't his time. MJF had won a uh, ring or whatever, and now he's using that as kind of a foreign advice, and, and this was the right way to do it. So. Wardlow slips him in the ring while the ref is kind of distracted, and MJF comes up and just punches Cody right in the face with the ring, tosses the ring out back out to Wardlow, and just collapses on Cody to pin him and beat him. This was a fucking stellar match. This was a wrestling match. This is the type of match I would tune in to see. If, you know, this, this is the type of match you watch even though you know it's surrounded by utter bullshit. This would work in any wrestling company anywhere. Like, it was an actual wrestling match. There was a story. They built up the story coming into it. They kept it serious. didn't do anything too over the top. They didn't go outside of, you know, what was necessary to be done. I didn't see any fucking triple somersault planches or any dumb, you know extracurricular stuff like that this was a wrestling match That was a fight it was a grudge match it told the story and the heel screwed the baby face to beat him so you got more down the line to do with this this bar none is the best fucking match on this card i love everything about it like even the only thing i nitpicked at what really was brandy being there and then they gave me a reason for her to be there like, not a storyline reason, but there, there, there was a fucking reason. And it worked. And nothing was silly. Nothing was stupid. Nothing turned me off. I was excited af- after this and, and moderately excited to see where they go with this. Almost enough to watch the damn show. Almost. All right. Now, fair warning. The next match, I'm going to shit all over. This was a fucking horrible match, and I don't give a fuck what anybody says about it. It was horrible. There's nothing we're naming about this. So the next match is Pac versus Orange Cassidy. Now, Pack was known in WWE as Neville, Adrian Neville, whatever the fuck. And he's tone, muscular, generally a very serious competitor. And then you have Orange Cassidy. And I'm going to rip this little motherfucker. First off, your name is Orange Cassidy. What the fuck? And they refer to him like he's fucking Orange Juice. Oh, and this wrestler is the asshole wrestler that constantly walks around with his hands in his pockets. And occasionally tries to wrestle with them in there, too. Does moves. And I'm supposed to give a shit when he has his hands in his pockets. He play kicks at people's shins. And when I say play kick, I don't mean like, okay, well, no, it's a word kick that he's not really trying to hurt them. I mean, no, 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 no. It's literally like if your fucking one-year-old walks up and is kicking at your damn shins and doesn't know what they're doing. You know, just, it's it's, it's, it's it's playful, stupid, and you want me to take this stupid fuck seriously. And yes, I'm going to constantly call him that. So if you're a fan of Orange Cassidy, I'm about to shit all over him because he's fucking dumb. All right? So, first off, why the fuck is this match not a squash match? Wrestling is supposed to simulate fighting, right? I've been in my fair share of fights, and I have never in the history of ever been about to go toe-to-toe with somebody and walked up to them with my hands in my pockets, as we're about to throw hands. I've never had anyone walk up to me with their hands in their pockets, because if you walk up to me with your hands in your pockets... It depends on the pocket. If it's a pocket, I'm just going to beat the fuck out of you. If you got a hoodie on, um, I'm actually going to turn around and run because I live in St. Louis and you about to shoot me. But this is the whitest of the white Caucasian people. And he has his hands in his jeans pockets all the time. So if wrestling simulates a fight and you walk up to a motherfucker with your hands in your pockets, what they should do is knock your fucking head off and pin you because you're a joke. Instead, Neville lowers himself to actually exchange play kicks before he seriously kicks the fuck out of him in the face. Again, they refer to Orange Cassidy as freshly squeezed. If you're a grown man and you can refer to a motherfucker as freshly squeezed, I'm going to read an innuendo into that, yip. The What What the fuck? I'm reading an innuendo in that. I fuck men. So I can make an innuendo out of anything. And I'm sorry, but that sounds like something I would hear in a gay porn. A very cheap gay porn. But they said it repeatedly. Let me rephrase that. Excalibur said it repeatedly. And it was fucking stupid every time he said it. But the problem is that J.R. and Tony Schiavone also play along with this shit. You know, like, I've never seen anything like this. But they're not saying it the right way. Because what you should be saying, I've never seen... Anyone walked a dumbass into a ring for a wrestling match and stick their fucking hands in a pocket and he does it repeatedly. Like he keeps them there. And then when he finally pulls them out to do what he calls a wrestling move, at some point he always sticks his fucking hands back in his pockets. And it's stupid. And then the crowd is chanting at the beginning of the match, he's gonna try. Bruh, you're chanting he's gonna try because apparently he's the king of sloth style, as in laziness. As in, he never actually does anything seriously. But then again, he wouldn't know what the fuck seriously means, because he's a fucking moron. He's a goof. This is not a comedy wrestler, either. Y'all call this a comedy No, 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 no. He's not funny. He's stupid. Okay? I don't want to watch wrestling and see a legitimate competitor take on a comedy wrestler and not just beat the fuck out of him. Like he should, be, Neville should have, or, or Pac, whatever the fuck he calls himself these days, should have just beat the hell out of him and been done with this. But instead, they play around. And the crowd, it, at one point, starts chanting holy shit, but there's nothing to chant holy shit to. There wasn't a spectacular dive or some really awesome move. Excalibur even says that there's no way to prepare for Orange Cassidy. Who needs to prepare for a stupid, dumb fuck that walks up to you and sticks his hands in his pockets? You don't have to prepare for that. All you have to do is wind your fist back and knock his goddamn head off. Knock him the fuck out because his hands are down. Common sense states, I'm in a fighting situation. I shouldn't have my hands in my pockets. And these idiots, this idiot audience just is like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. No, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. This is the one time I could actually... Say something complimentary about Brock Lesnar. But if this motherfucker has somehow made his way into WWE, and Vince McMahon says, Brock Lesnar tonight, I need you to take on this guy named Orange Cassidy. And Brock says, "Would first say, who the fuck is that? Secondly, what does he do? Thirdly, how long do I have? And if, if Vince McMahon tells him, well, I need you to go 10 to 15 minutes. And Brock comes out to the ring with this motherfucker, and he sticks his hands in his pockets. I guarantee you Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, any of these big names, if ever they had been put in a situation, would have called an audible and beat the ever-loving shit out of this dude. I guarantee you Brock definitely would have because he just don't give a fuck. He would just beat the fuck out of him and hold him down to pin him. Because that's what you would do, realistically. You would knock his fucking head off. Instead... I have to watch this match for like, I don't know. I don't even know how long it was. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. It was too fucking long. It was longer than three minutes, so it was too goddamn long. Um, Excalibur once again has to mention during this shitfest of a match that they're trending on social media, and I don't give a fuck. Oh, I don't give a fuck. No one gives a fuck. If we gave a fuck, we'd be on Twitter looking to see what's trending. We don't give a shit that's trending. Shut the fuck up and call the match. The rest of my notes because I'm gonna wind this down because I don't really want to spend too much time on this. Otherwise, I'll just talk in circles. This match was a drizzling shit. It was stupid. It was too goddamn long. I hate the fucking people in this audience. Um, this idiot Orange Cassie smiles after finally getting his ass completely handed to him. He looks up and laughs. So, something that either you're retarded or pockets like a pussy. One of those two things have to be the case here. And then they have a spot where he just keeps rolling out of the ring to, to keep away from getting hit off the top rope with whatever the hell Pac's finisher was, Pac, Pac, whatever the fuck. They keep pronouncing his name different ways. Um, there's another stunner in this match that didn't end the goddamn match. It was way too fucking long. And why the fuck did Neville need help to beat this joke? Why? Don't tell me he needed additional heat. No, you could have gotten heat by kicking the motherfucker in his face and pinning him, okay? Just kick him in the face one good time since he has his hands in his pocket, pin the stupid fucker's shoulders to the mat, and be done. In this case, he won my submission, and I just, I I don't give a fuck. I, I was just glad for it to be over. I want this fucking show to be over. I could never have watched this live because I would be ready to blow my brains out. Oh my God, this is the longest show I've ever actually recorded. I've had to take breaks to take drinks, clear my throat, and I still got one more damn match to review. This definitely could not be something I do every week or twice a week, and I could not review multiple wrestling shows. I think I'd go fucking insane. Final match is the world title match, Chris Jericho versus John Moxley. John Moxley is better known as Dean Ambrose from WWE. I'm not going to spend a terribly long amount of time on this match because it was it was what it was. Um, Justin Roberts' ring intro for these two was so fucking long and obnoxious that I really just wanted someone to punch him in the throat. Please shut up. Just introduce them. I need to know their name, their hometown, and their weight. And that's all we need. I don't need all the extra. I don't need the over-dramatics. I actually want you to shut the fuck up and get off my screen. So much to tell him to tone that shit down. I mean, seriously, it was just, it was over the top for no reason. Um, first note, so fuck the rules. We just make no DQ matches randomly because it's the main event for the world title. Apparently, because this was not billed as a no DQ match, yet they wind up brawling all out of the ring into the crowd all at ringside, there's no count. And the announcers have to say, well, this match is so important that Ref Aubrey is just going to let let this go because she doesn't want it to end on a count out. Here's a fucking thought. If you didn't want a match to end on a count out, don't make your don't bury your ref like that. Make the match an no ODQ match. I don't give a fuck if you have to make the ring announcer make an announcement as they're making their way to the ring that per upper management, this is now a no disqualification match. But get yourself the fuck out of making your ref look like an idiot. Especially Ref Aubrey, the female referee that they have here, who's legitimately one of the best referees. She's the best referee they have. And probably one of the best in the business right now, period. But you made her look stupid by not counting y'all the fuck out because this was never stated to be a no DQ match and y'all are brawling all outside the ring. Um, And personally speaking, that made me uninterested because if you didn't build it as a no DQ match, why are we acting like it is? It, it are, are, are these two so limited at what they can do in the ring? Which I know they're not, but that would be the question to a casual fan coming in the first time. Are they so limited as to what they can do in the ring now that they have to... Rely solely on this type of no DQ, even though there should be DQ bullshit. Um more notes, they're trying to be edgy in this match, you know, they you know, the cussing or whatever, and which I mean I discuss all through this damn podcast, and so don't give a fuck. But like, okay, well, I mean, that's a thing. You don't give a shit, or something. Jericho definitely said the word shit very loudly in in this match, and I'm just like, okay. Was there a point to that? Um I'm wanting to know why they couldn't just wrestle a straight match. Um, this isn't even the first time they've ever worked together. This is they they worked together in WWE and they really didn't click together there either. So even without the quote unquote hampering of the WWE, these two just don't have chemistry in the ring together like that. They don't gel. There's there's not that spark that lets them you know put on a fantastic match. That's not to say that this match is horrible because it's not, but It's one of those things where it's like, it's okay, but it's not as epic as you're building it up to be, because these two just don't have the right chemistry to work together constantly, but they're going to be. More notes, I hate fucking forearm shots. They look stupid as hell. I've never hit anybody with my forearm in my life. I either ball my fist up and punch you or I hit you with my elbow. I've never hit a motherfucker with my actual forearm. That's always been stupid. Next note, uh, at some point Excalibur says that Moxley has been training with Randy Couture. Well, when the fuck did that happen? Someone give me some damn background here. That's kind of a noteworthy thing. I feel like that should be played up more by. I didn't see shit about that in the hype video. I hadn't heard shit about that until Excalibur said it. I am confused. What the fuck, dude? Um, again, I know that Ref Aubrey is their best as far as, you know, exercising her authority. They have a couple times in there where Jericho is clearly intentionally messing with her to try and get disqualified. She's basically telling them, look, I know what you're trying to do, and it's not going to work. Um, There was a fuck ton of interference from the Inner Circle. Every single member of the Inner Circle interfered in this match at some point. It, there gets, it gets to a point where it's like, okay, this is getting a little bit overdone. Like, damn. If There are five or six of you, and and all of you have interfered and hit him with something, hit Moxley with something, and you can't keep him down. Either y'all all hit like bitches, or this man is Superman. And it's funny how wrestling fans complain about that shit in WWE when John Cena or Roman Reigns or whoever the hell bounces back from getting their ass thoroughly kicked, but they watch this match and they think it's like the greatest shit in the world. It's like. this guy just got beat up by five different people but alright fine whatever Um, ultimately Aubrey um, ejects the inner circle Sammy Guevara runs in from from the crowd or something and hits Dean John Moxley whatever the fuck his name is hits him with the belt Um, another false finish there and wind up going back around circling around eventually he hits his little DDT and pins Jericho and we got a new world champion And that match was long as fuck. It wasn't very organized. And then there was a promo afterward where you could tell that because they were in WWE so long and were told to use their cuss words sparingly and not to use certain cuss words, that they're just so enjoying the freedom to use them now that they just use them because they can. And by all means, I'm clearly okay with some profanity, here, there, and everywhere. But it's just like, in, in this particular setting, it's like, I, y'all have said fuck shit and ass so damn much. It's like, okay, but did we need to? And then somebody queued Moxley's music when they, I guess he wasn't done, but they didn't know that he wasn't done. So he actually yells out, well, what the fuck? And it's funny, but it's just like, okay, we're, we're going into the use of profanity just because we can, and we want to show that we're edgy and we're doing something that WWE is not doing. Forgetting that WWE already went through that period where they did say everything under the sun and don't really need to do it anymore. Like, use it sparingly. You know, use those when you need to drive home a point in a wrestling setting. If you're on a podcast, and by all means, cut your fucking heart out. But, um, By the end of this, I was just glad that this shit was done. And to the individual that asked me to review this show, I hate you, the only redeeming thing on the show, okay, to be fair, I had no problems with the opener. Not really. I thought that was decent, it was a good opener. Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allin was eh, all right, fine. Not as offensive, fuck the tag title match, fuck the women's title match um cody versus mjf was still the best damn thing on here um the women's title match was horrible if i didn't say that already i don't know it was just god it sucked um and then the Pac versus orange cassidy match should never happen anywhere ever again because it was fucking stupid and y'all should pretty much fire orange Cassidy because he's a fucking joke why does he have a job i don't get it if he's not going to wrestle seriously then fuck him if, that, if his gimmick is to be a lazy motherfucker, well, guess what? Lazy motherfuckers are unappealing. And they're not going to draw you any money just because when they finally explode, they can do a semi-decent DDT or clothesline, but then it sticks his hands right back in his pocket so I no longer give a shit. Okay? Um, the world title match was what it was. I, yeah, I kind of knew when they booked it, I didn't think it was going to be anything special because, again... I've seen Jericho and Dean Ambrose before, you know, wrestle in WWE in a high-profile feud, and it wasn't exciting then either. So just because the reigns of WWE aren't holding them back, supposedly, doesn't mean that they have better chemistry now, because they don't. It sucked. It was. I mean, I've seen worse, but I've definitely seen better. It wasn't the best match on the card. It was what it was. I was a little surprised that Moxley got the title at this point. I thought they would have run with Jericho a little bit longer. But I can't say as I necessarily gave a shit either way. I am just glad that this fucking show is done. So now that that's over and I have officially recorded the absolute longest podcast I have ever recorded. Didn't intend for it to be this long, but I was reviewing matches and I have a passion for wrestling. I just fucking hated the show. So I'm done. With the show, I do not intend to purposely watch anything else AEW related. I might catch a clip of whatever the hell Cody and MJF do next, but um, I think I would rather just slam my head against the wall than watch another entire three hour pay per view of theirs. That being said, I already know somebody is going to donate or something to the show so they get first dibs at making me or you know. Allowing, uh, suggesting what I'm going to do next, and uh, they're going to suggest that I review another fucking AEW show, and it's going to suck. Um, seriously, by all means, I still welcome all of the suggestions. Um, those that do support the podcast will get first dibs at deciding on any future topics that I cover. I have no idea what I'm covering next. I'm I'm going to wait to see what mood strikes me for the next show or, I don't know, what somebody else suggested sounds interesting. Please, God, don't make me watch AEW again. I'm I'm, I'm a little burned out, and I don't want to watch WWE right now either, but whatever. We'll we'll see what comes my way. Um, Again, I did tell y'all coming into the show that I was going to shit on the majority of the show, and I fucking did, and I don't apologize for it because... God, that was awful to watch. But, you know, if you have a suggestion of something else you want me to watch and review and torture me with, apparently, um, feel free to send me those. If you have another topic that's not wrestling related, by all means, send me those. Um, Whatever suggestions you have, if you have any questions for me to answer in a future show, this show is so damn long, I don't give a damn if I had more questions to answer or not. I'm not talking anymore once I wrap this up. I am so done. I am tired, and I think my voice box could use a damn break. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Again, if you got suggestions, questions, anything like that, send it to me on my website, dracosden.com, or on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, however you contact me. With that being said, I'm going to wrap this show up, and there'll be another show coming at you at uh, some point in the next few days to a week. Catch y'all later.